Hey everyone, this is Laz Jackson of Detroit Bad Boys, and on this week's episode, we talk about your 8 and 21 Detroit Pistons. Ben Gulker and I talk about the wear and tear on Jeremy Grant, the ripple effects of the DeLon Wright injury, and Seku and Sfi's future with the Pistons. As always, we appreciate your continued support of the podcast. The best way to do that is to share, subscribe, and leave comments. Please leave comments on the discussion post on Detroit Bad Boys. That's the best way for us to have the conversation that we want to have around the podcast. In order to do that, though, you have to follow DetroitBadBoys.com, which you should be doing, because it's the best place on the internet for Pistons news and analysis this season. With all that said, it's time to go to work. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. I am your host, Lazarus Jackson. Pleased, as always, to be joined by my usual co-host, Ben Gulker. How you doing, Ben? Doing good, Laz. Um, I think it's safe to say the tank is officially unavoidable now, isn't it? I, uh, I'm i ready for it, though. How are you doing, Laz? I'm doing good. The tank is definitely like rolling. I don't know it's going to like roll down a hill and crash at the end of everything. But yeah, the, the tank is, is definitely rolling on. Uh, I, I guess the thing that kicked off the tank for sure really rolling down the hill in a weird way was the uh, was the Blake Griffin news. Um, we you know that happened on Monday, so we didn't get really get a chance to to talk about it. Uh, if you wanted instant analysis for that, you could have checked out our sister podcast, the inside the cylinder podcast on this feed. But Ben, you know, I wanted to give you the space to, to say anything you wanted to say about what, uh, what transpired between Blake and the Pistons. Yeah. Well, you know, for me, we had the DBB on three up on the blog this week. And you know, I think my, my initial reaction and my reaction now are kind of the same. Um, you know, for me, this, this feels like, um, a finally sort of moment. Um, for me, this is obviously, a, you know, I've been a long-term Pistons fan since, you know, since I was born, really. I grew up, you know, a Pistons fan. And for me, this has just sort of been the strange decade plus of the Pistons constantly trying to reload and retool a series of rosters that ultimately just were not quite good enough. And, you know, obviously this one is a long ways from good enough, but it, it just sort of was a sense of relief for me that, okay, the Pistons are finally and completely embracing the fact that where they are now is just not where they need to be. And no amount of tweaking and, and changing and shuffling the deck is ultimately going to be good enough. Um, so this is just the full on embrace of let's just rebuild this thing from the ground up. Uh, and look, Blake Griffin, obviously we don't want to see anyone's tenure with the Pistons end the way Blake Griffin's has ended, especially a guy like Blake Griffin, who literally sacrificed a lot, right, for the franchise and uh, to give the franchise a taste of the playoffs a couple of seasons ago. So, um, you know, on that front, definitely that that's difficult. You don't want to see it end that way. But um, I think for someone who's been a fan of the franchise a long time, this like I am, um, you know, this this feels like the right thing to do. Uh, and it, it feels like something that we really haven't seen since probably the early 2000s 
um, when the Pistons really started to rebuild around that that going to work crew. So, um, yeah, I mean, this this is a, a difficult way to get there, but I'm, I'm glad that the Pistons are, are finally doing this. Yeah, and even bringing up the early 2000s team, that team was not going that team was not constructed in the way that this team is presumably going to be right. Like Ben Wallace was a trade acquisition. Rashid was a trade acquisition. Like Tayshawn was drafted, but Tayshawn was drafted like late in the lottery. Chauncey was, was Chauncey a trade or a free? He agent? was a mid-level exception, uh, free agency acquisition. Right. And so, and Rip was a trade. Rip was in the stack house trade. And so like this, this team is, going to get rebuilt uh or that team i should say got rebuilt through free agency and trades for the most part and this team is presumably going to be rebuilt through the draft heavily and free agency and so when you say that you know the team hasn't rebuilt uh like this in uh you know 20 years it's like well when the last time they rebuilt through the draft has been a while it's been a long time uh i guess you could say like you know getting Isaiah and Joe Dumars in back-to-back years in the draft was probably like that. That's probably the thing that kicked off uh, the last time the Pistons built through the draft. But yeah, like just trying something that they, in, in that case, it's been like 40 years. So like trying something the Pistons haven't done in 40 years seems pretty exciting. It seems pretty like, this is like definitely like a, a trip we're on. I know we, we joked about the tank at the beginning of the show, but like, yeah, man, like we're, we're doing something different. It's a, uh, it's cool. Now, how cool it's going to be when they've lost like nine of their last 12 games and they play, I don't know, they play like uh, Charlotte on a Tuesday. And I'm just like, I don't I don't want to do this anymore. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll see. But but I agree with you that uh, I'm encouraged that the team is, uh, you know, kicking off a new leaf, trying something, trying something new and, and hopefully, you know, finding success with it. Um, yeah and you know you're right to point out you know this is this is uncharted territory in a lot of ways i think you know obviously when the pistons drafted grant hill there was an attempt to try to do some of this obviously grant hill's injuries foiled that plan um but fortunately ultimately turned into um ben wallace but i you know i think the thing for me that is so refreshing is just the the willingness for the franchise and i think Tom Gores is probably finally on board with this, like a willingness to embrace the fact that they're not good right now. And that's okay to say, all right, we, we know we're not good right now and we need to reinvent this thing from the ground up. That is the thing that I'm most excited about. No, for, for sure. For sure. All right, Ben, um, as, as a consequence of uh, Blake Griffin being sent home, we, we get to see more Jeremy Grant, uh, Jeremy Grant gets to move up to his natural, I guess, natural position of power forward. But he's been struggling over the last couple of uh, games. His last five games, he went four for 17, five for 16, four for 15, 15 for 25. That was obviously the career night against Chicago. But then he went 15 for 20 the, the next night. Um, right now, it just seems like he's subsisting on like a, t- a diet of really tough shots He's only getting to the line uh, four times a game when he was getting to the line uh, six times a game, uh, you know, earlier this season. Ben, like my hand is like hovering over the panic button for Jeremy Grant. I don't want to press it. Do, do you have anything that lets me know that I shouldn't press this panic button? 
<laughs> That's completely fair, Les. Um, last week, I think it was where we talked about, are we, are we worried yet? And I was like, yeah, you know, I'm not worried yet. <laughs> I'm starting to feel a little worried. Um, I think the things, there's two things that offensively sort of concern me. The first is you mentioned he's not getting to the free throw line. And, and I think that's a concern for sure, uh, because that's been a way that he's been able to sort of ensure that his offensive efficiency is still good, even if he wasn't shooting the ball particularly well. And I think second related to that is um, you mentioned the diet of tough shots. I think that's right. Um, I think he's settling for a lot of threes right now. Um, and I don't see any problem with him taking good threes, but I, I don't see that as the bread and butter of his game, right? I think the bread and butter is is getting to the rim. That's when he's the most dangerous and most difficult to deal with. You know, as a, as a for example, against the Grizzlies, where really the whole team struggled to shoot and take care of the basketball, two for 10 from three, right? Like he took 20 shots that game. Um, 10 of them being threes is, is just not 50% of them being threes is not what I want to see um, out of Jeremy Grant. So I, I think um, just his shot selection has been bad. I think he needs to improve on that. And I think, you know, there's opportunities as I've, I'm going to continue to harp on this when he's not scoring the ball. Well, he's still got to find ways to be productive and, and generate offense for other people. I, I don't think he's necessarily done yet that yet. And, and this was just weird. Like his career night, you mentioned against Chicago, um, even when he was scoring the ball like crazy, he had the ball in his hands a ton and he ended up with zero assists. So I feel like, you know, the next evolution of growth for Jeremy Grant as an offensive player is going to continue to be facilitation and playmaking for other players. And he, he definitely doesn't have that right now. Um, particularly when he, when he's not shooting well, but you know, even when he's scoring, this is something he's got to do better. I, I, I totally agree with all of that. The settling for threes is something like I've noticed as well. He's also taking deeper threes. I remember like a couple times in the new Orleans game, he's taking like these 28 footers and uh, like, I, I'm sure he could make some of those, but uh, he took like three or four of them. And I'm like, that's a, those are really, really tough shots. I don't know if uh, he should be taking, you know, four of those in, in a single game. Um, the the other thing that kind of concerns me with Jeremy that just kind of points to a level of uh, a lack of energy uh, and a lack of like uh, just like the physicality that he showed earlier this year is, is the rebounding, right? The rebounding mm-hmm. is down to, well, during the five game stretch we talked about, he's down to 3.2 rebounds a game, which is not very good for your starting power forward. Um, and obviously he's never been like an amazing rebounder, but, you know, even earlier in the year, he was getting to, you know, five, six boards a night. Um, as he, as he's on the ball more, he's going to lose a lot of chances for offensive rebounds, but that was never, um, something that was like a huge part of his game anyway. Um, and, and so you see kind of the, the lack of urgency on defense kind of seeping in. He's not collecting as many defensive rebounds. Um, the other thing I've started to notice is that he's turning the ball over more. Mm-hmm. averaging 3.2 turnovers again during that that five game stretch um one of the things that made his offensive explosion at the start of the year so special was not just the like pretty good offensively uh efficiency it wasn't like he wasn't having like a 60 percent true shooting percentage right he wasn't like uh, a crazy efficient player but he was producing a lot with good efficiency without turning the ball over like nearly at all and now we're seeing as he's asked to do more in the offense, he is turning the ball over more. 
And, you know, those are some of those are going to be live ball turnovers, right? Where, where the, the defense gets to score really easy. Um, some of those are not, but, um, and a lot of those are coming when he's trying to create for himself. Fewer of those are trying to, are, are coming when, like, as you pointed out, he's trying to create for his teammates. Fewer of those are coming on like passes. Um, and so, yeah, I, um, my hand is like very close to touching the panic button. We'll see what happens this week. Um, it might be good also to just play him less. He's up to what he's up to like, uh, he's up to 37 minutes a night. That's not, that's not amazing, especially for, um, a lot of these games, uh, the Pistons were, were in, but, uh, we want, to, there are other guys right. And at the wing spots that we want to see more of, we're going to talk about one of those guys later. Um, and so it, it doesn't necessarily like make as much sense to both, uh, it demands so much from Jeremy offensively and then play him longer minutes, you know? Yeah, for sure. I, I 100% agree with that. I'd like to see his minutes tick downward. You know, I, I think it's going to be harder and harder to win games. We're going to talk about DeLon Wright being out, and I think that's actually going to hurt quite a bit. Yeah. So I, th- I think Coach Casey just kind of has to accept that um, for the next couple of weeks. And, you know, obviously you still want your guys to play as if they're trying to win, but I, I think as a coach you can – adjust your rotations. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention was I think I think most people would generally agree that that Jeremy's best offense is not coming from isolation plays. <laughs> yeah. Right? Um, I do think the loss of Blake Griffin is going to hurt Jeremy a little bit in that regard because for all his faults this season, Blake has still been a good quarterback. And I, I think it does give defenses one other thing they've had to worry about. Um, and it's allowed Jeremy to be off the ball a little bit. I think you take Blake Griffin out of the rotation, you take DeLon Wright out of the rotation. He's been their primary ball handler as a point guard. Um, it limits their ability to, to get Jeremy doing things off the ball, um, which is a little bit scary as well. Yeah. With the, and, you know, part of the reason he started so hot against Chicago was because he got a bunch of wide open corner threes and, and converted them. It wasn't like him trying to create for himself. It was just like him finding himself in the corner in uh in the kind of a transition look and, and getting those. Um and so like yeah, I I totally agree with you. Blake absorbed a lot of those offensive possessions really poorly, but you know, absorbing all of them is still uh is still doing things for, for taking kind of that load off of Jeremy. Um and we we yeah, we should transition into Delon Wright though. You're right. Um he sustained a groin injury against the uh, against the Grizzlies. I never saw the injury. It was very weird, right? He, like he shot, he had a shot, he made the shot, and then he just like came down. And he was like, actually, like something's something feels weird. Um, it was uh, revealed later today. He's uh, out with a grade two groin strain. He he will be reevaluated in two weeks. Um, again, this is a point where I go like reevaluated does not mean he will be back on the court. In two weeks, it means they'll they'll check in and tell us what's up with him in, in two weeks. And so, yeah, the uh, the offense is going to be down to its what third point guard. This is the third point guard uh, the Pistons are going to be relying on. Um, what, what do you what do you expect the offense to kind of look like under Dennis Smith Jr. as the starting point guard? Ben? <laughs> well, first of all, I, I think just to say, Delon Wright has probably been the Pistons. Um, most under the radar effective player this year as a starter. He's a 12, five and five guy. Um, and he does it with a pretty good amount of shooting efficiency. And we talked about Jeremy Grant being a low turnover guy. Delon Wright has been a pretty low turnover guy as well. He's been particularly important in wins. 
Um, when the Pistons win, he scores 16 points a game. When they lose, he scores nine. So he's been sort of an interesting thermometer or barometer of, of how effective the Pistons are going to be. Um, you know, in terms of the offense as a whole, it's kind of scary, to be perfectly honest. Oh, yeah. you, look, you look at the Pistons point guards who are on the roster and healthy right now. These are guys who, I mean, legitimately make the case could be two-way players in some ways, right? Um, to, a, to, a, to a man, um, essentially. Under DSJ, uh, you know, I'm still interested in him. Um, maybe just because I haven't seen a lot of him until he's been a Piston. But he's yet to put together sort of the complete point guard performance. So either he scores well or he facilitates well and shoots a little poorly. Um, so I'm, I'm anxious to see. He's going to have, obviously, extended minutes now. Um, he's going to get the chance to prove if he can be the complete point guard from, from game to game for a stretch of a couple weeks. And he's actually got some interesting opportunities this week. The Pistons don't play any particularly great team so he, he might have a chance to, to prove a little bit but I'm worried about the offense um, the tank is on I'm happy about that but it could be really ugly and painful to watch because uh, you know none of these point guards are proven NBA point guards and none of them have proven they can run an offense for 24 26 28 minutes a night yeah without Delon I really worry for some of the guys on the team the younger guys who were relying on solid uh, solid point guard play to get their looks, right? Mm-hmm. I'm worried for Sadiq. I'm yeah. worried for Svi. I'm worried for Seku. Um, those are the guys who I don't have the confidence in, like Frank Jackson or Saban Lee or Dennis Smith Jr. to get them the ball in spots where, where they can always, like, take good advantage of it. Um, and... You know, we can we can kind of say like Delon was the team's second best player at this point. Yeah. And uh it's gonna be a real struggle to to play without him. The the stat you gave about uh wins and losses was actually like that was illuminating. That's not something I knew, but it's something I kind of intuited, right? Like you you think back to the the Lakers game in double overtime, you think back to the Philadelphia game, you think back to uh even the even the first Boston win, um, like those, those are nights where the Pistons, you know, got more out of Delon, and uh, obviously that that played a big role. He, you know, was having a really good game in Memphis before the uh, before the injury struck. Uh, was one of the few guys having a good game in Memphis. Um, so yeah, he he's going to be missed. It's going to be weird. This also uh, puts a big damper on the prospects of the Pistons potentially trading him. Uh, prior to the trade deadline, which is something that we kind of talked about uh, earlier this week. Um, it, we got a report uh, that, you know, Philadelphia was interested in him. That's definitely like not going to happen now. Um, and so we'll, we'll see what comes out of that. Um, yeah. The, the point you made about Dennis Smith Jr. Not being able to score or pass in the same game is funny. I hadn't thought of that, but it's very true. It just jumps out at you. Like if you look at his, his game to game performance, it's like, you don't necessarily see it when you're watching the game, but it's it's literally been the case. And I think every game so far he's played for the Pistons. Yeah. And I will also be interested to see what he provides. I do think he is a better passer than he's gotten credit for in his career. But, you know, I tweeted this during the Pelicans game. Like every time his first shot is a three, like I would find him a hundred bucks. It's just like <laughs> what what you're supposed to do as a player is go to the rim create rim pressure and then uh you know try and finish or distribute from there 
And if you're just coming off of coming off the of screens and guys are going under and you're shooting threes, like that's good. Like I want you to try that, but that's not the first thing I want you to do when you come into a game. We'll we'll see. I know there are uh, there's a lot of bifurcation around Dennis Smith Jr. Some uh, some fans still think you know there's a there's a lot of there there. Some fans uh, see you know the results in Dallas and New York and say like this guy's kind of done. Uh, we're, like no matter what though like over the next at least two weeks like we're gonna get a lot of Dennis Smith Jr. so I hope it I hope it works out for the team all right Ben uh the next thing I want to talk about was uh Seku's minutes um Seku only played the he only played six minutes in the fourth quarter of the Pelicans game uh he was coming off a, a concussion he was coming off his second concussion which uh, I forgot until somebody at the uh, on the board, shout out to the Detroit Bad Boys board, pointed out that this was his uh, his second concussion. Um, I'm a little, I'm a, I'm kind of worried about that going forward. Concussions aren't uh, extremely like common uh, injury type among basketball players, but from what we know about concussions, they're really bad, and having multiples of them is. Uh, Having having multiples of them makes you more susceptible to future ones, and so I, I'm officially like worried about that. Um, that also kind of ties into something I'm worried about with Seku, uh, about him, you know, playing not necessarily as as physically as I'd like, not going up with the strength uh, and stuff that, that I would like him to see, or that I would like to see out of him. Um, but Ben, you know, we talked about cutting Jeremy Grant's minutes. And it stands to reason that, that Seku would be one of the main guys who would take advantage of that. Um, do you think that? Do you think we're going to see his minutes like steadily increase as he comes back from this concussion, or do you think, uh, you know, we've seen him? Uh, he played in the game. He played pretty well actually in the New Orleans Pelicans game. He's good to go. Yeah, I mean, fortunately for basketball players, as you mentioned, the concussions are pretty infrequent. It's just not a game that lends itself towards that sort of injury because the physical contact is not of the type, right? The rules of the game and the nature of the game make those pretty rare. So, I mean, obviously you don't want to see him have another one, but there's not, there's really nothing you can do as a player to differently, right? To avoid those. They just, if they happen, they're just sort of freak plays. Um, but I, I certainly could relate to him feeling a little bit tentative after coming back from the second one. You know, it certainly seems like he has to get more minutes. You look up and down the roster, and, and I mean, other than Sadiq Bay, I mean, I'm not sure who else you would play at the four, right? Um, so I think if you dial back Jeremy Grant's minutes to something more reasonable, there should be a healthy dose of minutes there for Seku Dumbuya, especially if, as I hope, you know, they take the next two weeks and, and not try super hard to win every game and instead just <laughs> embrace the reality that they're probably not going to win a lot of these games. Um, the other thing I was thinking about, too, with regards to Seku Laz is, um, and I think it was the Memphis game. I had the Memphis feed, and they were talking about how the roster has been so overhauled and the only two holdovers left now that Blake Griffin has uh, started parting ways with the team. The only two holdovers are Svi and Seku, and with Svi's minutes being so inconsistent and Seku's minutes being at least a little bit inconsistent, um, you know, I wonder what it means for those two guys. I don't know if if Seku has really done anything this season to show he's a better player than he was a season ago, um, and I just wonder if he's part of the picture 
that that Troy Weaver is is trying to paint here in Detroit this year. Yeah, that's something we've that's something we've gone back and forth on, like as the year has gone on, right? Just because um, the roster has been so drastically uh, overhauled, there's no at this point. It's still too early to to trade him, um, especially since other teams can't really value uh, what he is. That you. You can only like say he's as good as what he's done so far on the court. Other teams are going to have to put in the work to develop Seku just like the Pistons are going to have to. And so it's not like you could get a uh, like a huge return for a guy like that. And so it it doesn't make a lot of sense from a like value standpoint to trade him. And it doesn't make a lot of sense from a development standpoint because as you're pointing out, like we're going to be tanking. We're going to be losing. We have time to develop guys like Seku um there's like there's a strain of thought that you know a young guy likes V or Seku because you know Troy Weaver wasn't a part of their acquisition could be part of a Blake trade um I like I would be I would be like relying if I said like I didn't think about that as well but I really just don't think the Blake situation ends in any sort of trade and so I'm less worried about that um we're seeing Svi's minutes increase right uh we didn't see did we see wayne in the fourth quarter of at all i don't remember rem- yeah but uh with you know actually so with second net playing and with sadiq kind of uh being that backup uh power forward we did see a lot more Svi over the last couple of games and that's something i expect to continue uh you remember the re- not the report but the uh insinuation during like the the post like press conference from uh Dwayne Casey that like Svi was going to see more minutes um and you know James Edwards the third was nice enough on his podcast to put that together for us and say like they're still looking to trade Wayne Ellington for something and so you presume if they trade Wayne that they keep Svi and you know use him in a very similar role um so he hasn't played particularly well this season but I still think they believe in him and the shot and what uh, he could potentially offer uh, moving forward. So I'm not necessarily like worried that the Pistons move on from either of those guys. Um, I'm more worried that they're not playing particularly Correct. well. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, speaking of other like young guys on the team though, Ben, um, another like big ripple effect from uh, the Blake Griffin situation is that Sadiq Bay is now starting, right? He's the, Starting small forward, um, he's played solid minutes in every single game um, since uh, since Blake was was uh, sat. Um, he's played crunch time in a lot of these games. He's played well. He made uh, a really nice pass to Mason Plumley in the uh, like final minute of the Chicago game. The I didn't expect them to to run a play for Sadiq, but they did, and he uh, he rewarded that. That was pretty cool. Um, what do you? You know, we're we're all looking forward to the tank. We're all looking forward to the development of these guys. What in particular do you want to see from Sadiq as he steps into the starting lineup? Well, first of all, I'm curious what a rookie wall looks like in this really weird season, and if he <laughs> yeah. hits one, right? Uh, what does that even mean this year? I'm not I'm not 100 sure, but it's kind of approaching the point in the season where rookies tend to run into that right and and start to struggle or have a down stretch before maybe they rebound uh, at the end of the season so I'm curious to see how he responds to that especially because 
as you mentioned, his role and his minutes are growing. Um, obviously, the last two weeks, he shot the ball extremely well, honored as Eastern Conference Player of the Week um, a week ago, which is an incredible for anyone on the Pistons, but especially a rookie. Um, you know, as his role increases, and I think if you look at the starting lineup with DeLon right out, like in a lot of ways, he's probably the second best offensive player, um, which is crazy to think about. Wow. Yeah. Right. But I mean, Wayne Ellington, I mean, probably is if he's shooting the ball well, but he's been in such a crazy slump. Like he might be your, your second most reliable option. Um so, I, I, you know, I think what I want to see from him moving forward, well, I want to see more of the same in terms of his confidence shooting the ball. Um, when he gets open looks, he's been knocking him down. I want to see that continue. Um, but really, you know, secondarily, I want to see how does the rest of his game hold up to what's essentially going to be a stress test, right, especially over the next two weeks. Blake Griffin talked about him being one of the most complete rookies he's seen. Uh, he's going to have a chance to prove that because they're, they're going to need him to do it just by necessity. Um, so I'm curious to see what does that little post-up game look like that he's had um, as you called out the good pass at the end of the Chicago game. Like, What are the various components of his game have we not seen yet that are, are going to be put to the test, and, and how does he respond? So th- those are the things I'm looking forward to. How complete is this guy as an offensive player? Because um, he's going to get the chance to show it. Yeah, I I want to see more of the, uh, the pull-up like mid-range game. Mm, yeah. If, you know, like you pointed out without a point guard um, and, you know, with Mason Plumley as a limited, but effective like role player for the starting lineup, like Sadiq might be the the second best option uh, in the starting lineup. And so I would like to see him try to create his own shot just to see what that looks like. Right. For, you know, I remember the, uh, that pull up mid ranger against the Knicks that got us all really excited because he hadn't shown anything like that. Uh, in his time at Villanova, um, I mean, he's he's obviously not going to pull off that move every time, but uh, you know, maybe there's more there there when he's running, you know, pick and roll with Mason Plumley or pick and rolls with Isaiah Stewart. Um, it, it can't hurt at this point. Nothing can hurt at this point, and so this is this is a good opportunity to uh, stretch the limits of what his responsibilities are offensively at the same time as he's being stress tested as mm-hmm. you, as you put it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I Sadiq has been one of the real bright spots on this team this season. And so uh, I don't want him to hit the rookie wall, but you, you brought up an excellent point in that the rookie wall comes for us all. All right, Ben, uh, anything you want to talk about this week? Anything that I, I didn't ask you about that you really wanted to get off your chest? Well, shout out to Mason Triple Double Plumley. I think that's the only thing I've got. That happened, what was that, a week ago after we recorded, right? Was yeah. that, that? I mean, yeah. how unexpected in the, in this crazy of a season. Mason Plumley pulling off his uh, first Triple Double as a member of the terrible Detroit Pistons. I think, uh, if I remember correctly, somebody, you know, with the uh, new sports gambling money in uh, in Michigan – I believe somebody made like a nice chunk of change off of Mason Plumley's triple double. <laughs> if, so you're if, that be- was you, <laughs> if you're betting that line, though, you probably lost or your fair fair share of money too. <laughs> well, it, it only takes one, Ben. Oh, it true. only takes one. <laughs> oh yeah, what'd you think of the uh, the change in schedule? The Pistons were uh, planning on playing in Dallas. Um, obviously, couldn't because of the uh, you know 
the ice storm situation that's going on down there. And if we have any listeners, you know, in, in Texas affected by that, you know, you're in our thoughts and prayers, obviously. Um, but, you know, as a schedule adjustment, the Pistons like weren't supposed to play the Bulls. They did. Um, they have a game scheduled against the Knicks uh, this week that they weren't supposed to play. Uh, and they are. And so uh, do you think that's a do you think the NBA is doing a good job of kind of handling the scheduling chaos that uh, this season has uh, presented them? Well, that was so weird, right? I mean, it's got to be difficult from a perspective of game planning and strategizing. I think by the time you get to the NBA level, like you, you're spending so much of your time as a player and as a coach immersed in the game that you know who each team is to a certain degree, right? Without having to go through a day's worth of prep for them. But at the same mm. time, um, I think that's got to be super challenging. Just like, oh, you're going to play the Bulls today. Okay, well, let's, let's you know, let's do this. So it's got to be weird. But um, at the same time, the league, the league and the players, they got to they gotta get these games played. They've got to make their money so the players keep getting paid. So, I mean, it's unorthodox, but I think it's kind of what you got to do in 2021. Yeah. Rod Beard actually had a good piece about the uh, adjustments that the uh, coaching staff was making to like their short-term game plan um, and their game planning uh, because of the like readjusted game. I thought that was really interesting. Uh, shout out to Rod. Um, yeah. is And you, you bring up a good point in that the, the NBA like needs these games regardless of who plays who they need, you know, X number of games for their contracts with the regional sports networks and for their cable partners to be fulfilled. And so like, I'm, I guess I'm not surprised to see them do something like this. It felt very, uh, I was telling, I was telling my wife, it felt very like D three college. It's like, Mm -hmm. Hey, like we have 12, like you've got 12, like we'll see you at like three o'clock on Saturday. But it, but in the NBA, yeah. so I mean that that was my jam, and I don't remember that ever happening to me in my three years. So I don't <laughs> know. That's pretty. It's pretty strange. Yeah. That's very true. Oh man, but yeah, it just it just felt very ad hoc. But uh, we got a pretty good game out of it, and um, I think it's entirely possible we'll see more of that kind of in the second half of the season. We still haven't seen the second half of the season schedule. Um, you know. Um, there are going to be teams uh, like Washington has played like six fewer games than other teams or something like that. So there's going to be teams for whom the the second half schedule is going to be just like chock full of games. Um, I'm sure those players are not going to be happy about that situation. But like like you said, right, like this is all about uh, this is all about the money and this is all about kind of fulfilling those contracts and those partnerships. So so, yeah, as if uh, if this keeps the Pistons from, you know, playing another you know, four games and five nights situation. Like, I, I, I guess I'm fine with it. Yeah. All right, Ben, the Pistons play Orlando tonight at seven. Oh, yeah, we should have mentioned that we recorded prior to the Orlando game. If something crazy happens in the Orlando game, we just, like, you know, it, we missed it. It's okay. It's Orlando. What could possibly happen? Uh, they play Orlando again on Tuesday. They play uh, at New Orleans on Wednesday in a back-to-back. Then they have the Kings on Friday and then the Knicks on Sunday. So Ben, any of those games look close? The Knicks, uh, the Knicks have been mightily competitive this uh, this season. Yeah, I mean, none of these teams are great teams. Obviously, I think if I read the records right, they're all losing, losing teams. But New York is probably the best of the bunch. They're hovering around that five hundred all season long. Um, 
man, I I look at the 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 guys the Pistons are going to be putting out there, and I don't care which NBA team it is. I feel like they're going to struggle. Um, but as the Pistons have done all season, they confound us by playing really well and winning a game. We don't think they have any business winning. Um, yeah, man, I don't know if 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 any of them, I would say Orlando because they also have some point guard depth concerns, right? Um, I'm looking forward to watching New Orleans again because watching Zion play is just a treat. He is he's phenomenal to watch. So maybe one of those two Orlando games ends up being close and or a win. Otherwise, I don't know. I I don't love any of them. Yeah, that I'm looking at that Kings game. The Kings are playing uh, better of late, but they also don't play any defense. <laughs> and so like that's always a situation in which um, you know, guys get in a rhythm, guys get comfortable, like anything's possible. Um, I think the Pelicans probably will have something to prove against the Pistons. So that that's looking like a, a not so great uh, game, especially on the second night of a back to back. And then, yeah, like you pointed out, the uh, the Magic have just as much point guard trouble a- as we do. Um, and so I would be I'd be OK with a split there. Um, they've already banked a lot of wins this year um and so like we're we're going to be jockeying with them uh in in uh tankathon standings land later down the road just because of all the injuries they they've sustained so these games could be big for that we got the we got the reverse standings going on here uh, this week all right ben that was fun i, I enjoyed that uh <laughs> let the people let the people know where they can find you uh, where they can find out uh, what you're working on and talking about this week well, it's funny how talking about the Pistons can feel more fun than watching the Pistons. Since <laughs> you're, let's be honest, right? Uh, yeah, man. I mean, I, I got to be honest. Everyone's got to deal with this season the way that they got to deal with this season, and the way I've been dealing with it is watching most of the games after the fact on a recording, which allows me to skip through the commercials because I don't know, man. These games just haven't been. A lot, a lot, a lot of fun most of the time. So that's how I've been coping. And the reason I mentioned that is because I would normally say, you know, hit me up on Twitter because I'm active during the games, but I haven't been the past two weeks. So maybe I'll change that this week and, and make a more concerted effort at BR Gulker, <laughs> Gulker on Twitter. Uh, let's let's talk about some bad basketball. Yeah, maybe maybe hold off on that for those magic games. Those are going to be particularly bad. Yeah. <laughs> and so we'll see you Wednesday for New Orleans. How about that? <laughs> uh, of course, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Last Chance. That's at L A Z C H A N C E. Unlike Ben, I do not have any children yet, and so <laughs> I actually have the luxury of watching these games, these terrible, terrible games live. And so you can talk to me on Twitter uh, during the games. <laughs> All right, y'all. Thanks for listening. Uh, We really appreciate it. Uh, Thanks for uh, listening to the podcast. And we'll talk to you next week.